Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Cast. This week we have another big interview from the series we've done starting off with Daniel Nardiello last week. But this week we have Scott McGarvey, who spent... A lot of time in Man United, four years in the first team, um, was given his professional contract by Dave Sexton and then played the majority of his United career under Ron Atkinson. Um, he went on loan to Wolverhampton, then left for United uh, for Portsmouth in 84, spent some time then at Carlisle United, Grimsby Town, Bristol Sea, Oldham, Wigan. Um, and some foreign teams then in the in the early nineties. Scott speaks to us for about thirty or thirty so minutes. He opens up about time under Ron, how he, he got on so well with Dave Sexton that he finds it was a shame that he didn't get to spend more time with Matt United in the first team. And he also opens up about the big scandal with, with Big Sam, which which seen Big Sam lose his job as England manager <coughs> after an investigative um, piece of journalism from the Daily Telegraph. Um, I also apologise throughout the recording. A bit of a chest infection the weekend in Manchester. What a win over Liverpool. Um, great first half performance. Closed up shop in the second half. And made it a bit nervy, but in terms of atmosphere, Old Trafford was absolutely fantastic. Of course, there was nervy parts in the second half, but that's to be expected when you, when you sit back. But um, hopefully you enjoy the podcast. It ranges to about 20 to 30 minutes, as I mentioned, and, and Scott McGarvey was fantastic. Um, really a pleasure to have him on the podcast, and um, and just great to form United players on. So we've Brian McClare coming up for the end of the month too, so sit back, um, grab yourself a cup of tea, uh, and enjoy. Thanks for listening. Still kicks, goes! He's through! He scores!
here with Scott McGarvey. Spent a couple of years at Man United. He joined as a trainee in 1979 and went on to sign a professional contract in 1980. So Scott, how did it feel to sign a professional contract at United and after spending so many months working your way up the ladder? Well, I've been going to United since I was about 11 years of age. Um, and then days you couldn't, you couldn't sign as a schoolboy from Scotland. I'm not too sure if you can do that now, but you couldn't do that. So they monitored me every holiday from uh, from school days. Uh, I had lots of choices to go to different clubs, uh, from Celtic to Aberdeen to other English football clubs. And I always wanted to go to my United. That was that was a proven point. And then they offered me at fifteen the last year to go to school. I offered my parents to go to school uh, with an apprenticeship and a guaranteed three-year uh, pro contract. So I came down as 15 and then worked away, as you say, played in the youth team. was quite successful there, I suppose. Got into the reserve team pretty early. Uh, done well enough to the fact that I always made my debut at 17 for the first team. What do you make of the the U Academy United nowadays and suppose some of the challenges that they they face? You know, you, you look at some of the former pros that Van Persie, Darren Fletcher and so on that had their kids playing with City and not with United. So I suppose that's one of the challenges that the, the club faces today. Way, but you know, things moved on, and, and, and they, they, they do what they do now. 
I suppose you look at someone like Jesse Lingard too, who spent a couple of spells out loan at championship clubs and Birmingham being one of them. And as you mentioned with some of the, the youth leagues, that I suppose it makes you more of a man to go out on loan nowadays, that the reserve leagues has changed. You know, the physicality of the championship, someone like Lingard who kind of has a, a small frame, he probably never kind of witnessed what it was like to be real physical, you know, and, and that maybe that stands to him today at the top flight in the Premier League. Would you, would you agree with that? into the first team and as an agent and, and, and an ex-pro you've worked with, with many footballers so it's like, what difference have you seen with say some of your teammates in the 80s to some of the players that, that you, you've dealt with in recent years yeah so the players that you you play with to the players today Uh, I always say this 
when even a Man United, if you to, if you're a Man United fan, and you actually sat down, you, unless you've got 20 years of age, but if you're 40, 50, and you said, okay, what was the best 11, my best 12, 13, 14 players that I've seen at Man United, and you started writing them down, I'm not too sure there's so many from this team. Obviously, the goalkeeper would be yeah. right up there because he's, he's one of the best in the world. But would, I don't think you could say any of the centre-halves are better than whether it be a Ferdinand or whether it be, a, for me, Vidic and, 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 and Stam, Bruce. I mean, they're not any good full-backs. Dennis Irwin, Gary Neville, Paul Parker, Evra. Would these, would these players get ahead of today? I don't think so. Then you get the midfield, you go Robson, you go Scholes, you go Keane, White, you get, you get Giggs, you've got Kinchelkis, you've got Dick, you've got Ronaldo. <laughs> so, when you start looking, talking them sort of players, you think, hold on a second. I mean, the players of today are good, very good, but are they as good as them? And I don't think they are. Yeah. Uh, regarding you said about the players today, I don't know if you've seen the game last night, Man City, uh, Stoke City. There's one situation where they're set a half and a halfway line. He got a, a little bang on the nose. He's held his nose. He might say, I've now got the ball, they're coming, bum. He's bent on his knees. He's bent on his knees and held, held his nose. Did you, ever, did you then, ever, ever, ever see that happen as a player in your day? The thing that worries you is, is that today, none of the Stoke players said anything to him. It's not if he's been banged in the head, he's on, he's on flat, or he's, he's got a bad injury. He got a little knock on the nose. Yeah. Sure, he can, he can, he can, he can, he watched the player on bathroom. Yeah. And then he's been down on the floor. He's always trying to get a free kick to the referee. I don't know. I just think there's a different mentality. I mean, money in football's always been good, but where it is today is just, is, is like, Ridiculous the big monies and it doesn't take one doesn't take too many contracts for, for something to be set up for life. Uh, and does that make people go softer? I think it can do. Yeah. I think when you when you get not everybody can be so so drummed into whatever whatever what they do, whether they're whether they're a builder, whether they're a footballer, whether they're a businessman, the bottom line is you gotta tell a desire and a good work ethic to get up and go and keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, no matter how much you get the rewards. And you know, I always talk about uh, the Mourinho with, with Chelsea and I am I'm a Mourinho fan, I've always I was wanting to get the job and nothing's changed since. I mean he questioned Chelsea when they won the league, the double, and he gave them an extra week off, and they won a couple of games, and they lost a few games. And he questioned, have they got that same mental strength and desire to be to be winners on a regular basis? Mm-hmm. And this is what Sir Alex Ferguson, who, who, who fell with lots of players. You know, you know, it can happen, it does happen. But he was only working for the club. He wanted players that, that wanted to forget last season, one in the treble, one in the double, one in the cup, one in the league. To get last season is gone. And if you listen to all those Ryan Giggs or people like that, it was installed in them, you know. And it's not easy that because once you're a multi-millionaire and once you won a, a trophy, you can think, well, I've done that. I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. Well, I think Mourinho and people like Alex Ferguson, they, they demand that they keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. And that's where your top players come. That's the ones that are top, top, top. Who who want to want to win things on a regular basis become serial winners. We had um, Ron Atkinson on the podcast previously, and you spent most of the time you know under Ron. 
What was it? What was he like in comparison to say your brief spell under Dave Sexton? I know he, he didn't play many games under Sexton, but but uh, what would I like to deal with in comparison to both managers? Well, seriously, I mean, I knew Dave Sexton very well because it was Dave that signed me. I mean, when I first got to Man United, Tommy Docker was a manager, um, but then it was Dave that offered me the contract, and he was a lovely man, Dave. Uh, I mean, I'd be able to tell you that, but he's a good footballer, man, and a good coach, and you know. My career was moving forward pretty quickly to give him a debut. Uh, and I suppose I was hoping that Dave would have stayed, but then he left, Rod came in. And, I mean, he gave me a new contract one very, very quickly. I say four contracts in Man United. I think I jumped up from like 50 or 60 quid at a time. Not, not, not 20, 30, 40, 50 grand at a time. <laughs> uh, so, so, but Big Ron, Big Ron was... was, was I think, I think when you finish football and you look back, you, you realise just how hard a job it is to be a manager. Uh, because you, you've got to juggle a lot of things and you, you've got to try and stay loyal to players because you've got to keep them on your side. Yeah. Uh, and then there's other things going on in the club you don't really know about when you're playing. It's not your, it's not your business. So it's not, it's not an easy job being a manager. Uh, I think it's probably harder now because of all the egos that are going about. As I said, when, when you drop the player at Man United at the cliff, on a Friday morning, that door used to get knocked on his manager's door by four or five different players not happy that they're not in the squad or not happy they're being left out of anything or on the bench uh, because they wanted to play and they wanted to play because they may have been on three, four, five hundred pound a week but they may have been on three, four, five hundred pound a penis money and then you get the win bonuses so not just the money but the actual play but it's today there's players there sitting whatever team 30, 40, 50, 60 grand a week I better really hear unless it's a top player I better really hear MDS and transfer because they're just quite happy. Well, I'm picking up my money and if I'm at, if I'm at a good club in the Premiership and I'm picking up 50, 60 grand a week, <coughs> where am I going to go? Where am I going to go and get, get more? Or I'm on 70 grand, whatever the case may be. So it's, it's a different era and you just got to accept that, I suppose. But under Big Ron, one thing about Ron was I think he's very much a first team man uh, and he was very loyal to his players, that is for sure. Uh, but he was a good man running for a bump to him a few weeks ago myself and had a beer in town in Manchester and he, he's, 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 he's a good lad, good lad man speaking about man. speaking about beer when we interviewed Big Ron he told us the whole drinking culture scene that was he said it was massively sensationalised and I recall an interview with John Gibman as well who suggests that the, the great Liverpool team of the 80s were, were bigger drinkers um, how true was that? I don't think it was I'm not saying every player drank every day because they didn't and I think it was mythical players being a day and two days before a game that they were out drinking that, mean, that wouldn't be the case but after a game on a Saturday you would you would, you would would definitely probably go for a drink and maybe someone go for a meal with a wife or a girlfriend and someone take it a bit harder than others and go and, and, and play a bit heavy and then you'd have Sunday off it wasn't sort of coming up a warm down in them days then you might have a few pints on a Sunday and then Monday morning you trained and usually if you didn't have a game during the week the Monday would be a, a sort of a not an easy day but a, a day of just stretching and, and five aside then on the Tuesday would be a solid day or you might have a double session it could be a hard 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 training session and then after that I suppose you, then you'd have Wednesday off and you could fall into Tuesday night going for a pint again and then Wednesday whatever the case may be that was just a culture. It wasn't just Man United. I mean, I think it's that Man United, the name itself, but everybody wants to talk about it. You know, whether it was Man United or whether you're playing, I mean, 
in the championship, League One or League Two, it was a culture of an M days. It was a working men's game and people went for a pint. I wish it was like that today. I wish I wish the, the players could interact with the fans more, but uh, you know, they just don't anymore because you never see any players apart from maybe in a nice restaurant in Manchester, but and then they have like a couple of people watching them and they there's no interaction, so I think about it as a pint. But I suppose there's too many cameras and there's too many people wanting selfies and, and next thing goes on social media. But the players today, they, they have a different outlook, which is probably which is better, don't get me wrong. I mean, when you think about it, putting alcohol on your body, especially too much, can't be good for you if you're an athlete. Um, and today's footballers, that's one thing that they are. I mean, you, you cannot say they're not. They're all more or less so athletic, great agility, that's one of the big parts of being a top player. I'm not saying, I don't think there's, there's many players today with the ability that there was years ago, but certainly the athleticism and the science of football, you know, it, it can only be good for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose we, we can't have this conversation without speaking about the, the whole incident with the scandal with the Big Sam thing that you were unfortunately dragged into. and. We're sitting here today, this week, and all the papers are talking about an incident with, with uh, with Jamie Carragher. And to be honest, I, th- I think a lot of these things are can be blown out of proportion. I'm not speaking about the Carragher incident whatsoever. Um, people people brand the whole incident with Big Sam's investigative journalism. Um, uh-huh. is that the case, or is that is was the case here going a bit below the belt? Investigative journalism doesn't have to be nasty, you know. I said, oh, there's a lot of good journalists out there. Yeah. And I can understand the journalists have to do a job and they have to go undercover sometimes for certain things, yeah. which is fine. But to go undercover regarding myself, it's a difficult conversation for me at the moment because I'm suing the, 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 the Telegraph. Yeah. Uh, so legally, legal, there's not a lot I can say too much about it. Yeah. But certainly, Sam Allardyce did nothing wrong. Um, Sam has been a friend of mine for 30 years. He came and killed the story itself. He wasn't England manager when I first spoke to him about this. He was a manager of Sunderland. And as I said, this is this is not like they met me on the Monday and by the Friday it all came out. They, 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 admit, they admit entrapment and, uh, for three and a bit months. Um, and there's a lot of things I'd love to say and I will say soon. I will come out for sure. Um, but the one person that has come out of this uh, in the wrong side is obviously me. Uh, because my name's been a bit tarnished, mm. even though I spoke in Sky and I've said I've done an interview in the newspaper, and people have accepted that, that you know they, they've trapped me and I've done nothing. Uh, as I said, I'm not, I'm not denying that I said one or two stories when I was talking to them, but they were offering me two hundred something plus net a year. I got the range over up. I got my card. I was booking flights to go to South America. I was bringing players and I was bringing scouts in from different parts of the world to try and help us. I had deals on. I lost two jobs. So, you know, it, it, it didn't work for me because they trapped me. But what did they get? You know, Sam lost England job, which is, which is the hard part because it was a terrible... I mean, I he built his whole career up to do. Yeah. And, and that chance went. But for Sam to lose his job over it, they, they, they had, they got nothing. What did they do? I mean... You see, you know, it, was, it was just ridiculous. When I, when I look at this, and conveniently the time was around when Big Sam just got the job. 
as in the manager. And as you mentioned, it's something he built his career on to get this job and, and finally landed it. And whenever you, you see someone get the England job, not just Big Sam, and I'm talking about the media here in England, um, it seems like a witch hunt immediately when they get the job. Um, you look at Phil Neville, for example, getting, getting the Lioness job. Uh, people were bringing up tweets from four or five years ago or so, you know, yeah. really old yeah. tweets. So, well, you've got to be careful, you've got to be careful what you say. I mean, I might say something on here, and two years to which I wouldn't have thought, but you never know, but it might come, something might come out and say, well, you should have said that. Yeah. What I would say is regarding Sam, Sam, Sam only came to the meetings because of me. I mean, he never came for, I promise you, again, it's legal as it got to be careful yeah, here. Of course, yeah. but, but, it's, but certainly, Sam wasn't interested in money, never spoke about money, never asked about money. You know, when you put a camera on the floor or from different angles and you start putting captures along the bottom of the screen and you beep, 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 all I can say is, is that, all I can say is, is just for people listening to and watching stories, if I'm stood with you having a pint at the bar and, some, and, and, and you walk past two mates of ours and you hear one say he wants 10 grand and you come back and I say, what are they two talking about? And, they, and you say, Oh, if someone wants ten grand, then you start thinking, "Who wants ten grand?" Yeah. And if you got there a second or two seconds previous, you might have heard them say, "He's selling that car. He wants ten grand." Exactly. And you come back, and I say to you, "What, what, what was all that about?" And you go, "Oh, somebody's selling a grand for ten grand." The story's over. So when you're putting missing captions out, and like, the TV's grainy, it made it all look worse than what is over is all undercover. Well, I sat there in a Mayfair hotel that I had set up because. I believe I've got a job. Sam, I've touched lucky. I thought mm. God's looking down at me because Sam's in London and I'm going to stay next day. You know, and they, they meet they meet Sam and everyone was great. But you've got to remember, I'm assuming and we're assuming that these are real people. To, to do what they've done and to, to ruin Sam getting for the manager's of England's job, he should be discussed. He should yeah. be discussed about yeah. themselves. Yeah. And then to ruin my life, which they've tried to, uh, for, 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 for what, what did they get? I mean, I, I said at the, the time, I'm not a big player. You know, I'm not. Scott McGarvey, who am I? Okay, it's great that I'm playing for my United, I've scored a goal, but it's fair then, and I've made a few, I've been a played for them, I've been there five years, and it was great, and I've had a career in football, but I'm not any big name. But they use me to get to people who I knew, and it's talented me because it's people that I'm, that I'm still friendly with. Yeah, I speak to them, but it's difficult to even say to them because. In life in general, you know, it's like you coming to me and asking me to do this podcast. Yeah. The only reason you got to me is because you know somebody, you know somebody, then we become friends yeah. ourselves. Yeah. So it's, it's you, you don't know to get you by, to get you on. And, and as I said, the distrust, I think, and I said at the time, the football is today, and I can go with it. You know, when you're 17 or 6 and you leave school, you don't leave all your pals to the same person as your pal in school to your 50 or 60. You might have won. Most of none, but you meet people can through your career in different clubs you play at, different businesses you work in, or different jobs you take. You meet people as you go along. If you're a manager of a football club today and you're talking to somebody who's 17, 18, and you think they're going to be a player, the first thing you're going to say is, Well, be careful who you talk to. Yeah, Don't of course. The wrong environment. Yes. Don't sit and talk to MD. So, if that's the case, how, how, do, you, how do you get on with your life? I mean, it's hard enough now with social skills with normal kids who've got earphones listening to music or they're on the phone all the time or they're on an iPhone or they're on a, on a tablet. I mean, there's no interaction. And so these footballers, they should be so scared to talk to people because 
they don't know what, what they're filming, what they're doing, and behind the back, you know, and, and it's just, it's just, it's just not, it shouldn't be allowed. I think you're spot on there, and I, I think personally, I think that footballers um, that when 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 they're playing their career, they t- tend to live in a bubble. And as you mentioned, you need to be very very careful who you trust. And and then when they retire, it, it the bubble kind of busts a small bit, and they don't know who who to speak because everyone wants interviews. And from from a journalistic perspective, uh, and someone that's a relatively young journalist, my role now is to try and build up my contacts. And, and I and when I and I seen this story, and I was thinking, you obviously trusted these guys or whatever, but that must be very difficult for someone someone like you well, well, to you, trust well, someone you again. Can't make a friend, you can't make a friend in a day. You can't make a friend no, in a month. No. But you get to know people. And when I look back, I was probably naive in certain areas. Um, they've obviously done their diligence on, their on me, uh, and they've found a way to get to me, uh, offering me a good job, offering me something that I want to do, offering something that the bigger picture was 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 massive, uh, having a big agency, looking after footballers. But as I said, look at the, the managers. It was all about motivation. And after I'm speaking, they wanted to take people out to. Uh, Singapore or Hong Kong to talk to their investors. Well, what's wrong with that? Yeah. I mean, Jimmy got the Hasselbank. We met in London, and I spoke <laughs> to the QPR uh, chairman and, and, and owner, and and he was a different class. I mean, yeah. Lee Hughes, he was he was he was really really nice. He asked me. I said I sent him all the text messages me and Jimmy had, all the correspondence we had. And all we ever had talked about was football. I went to see Jimmy, we spoke about footballers. He did say, and one of the things was, well, just get me good footballers. Well, what do you expect to say? Get me a bad footballer. Yeah. And then they offer him 30 grand to go to Singapore and speak at the end of the season when he's not with, he's on his, he's on his holidays. And he said, well, you know, made me a bit happy. All of a sudden, I'm trying to make him look greedy. Well, what, do you, what, what are you supposed to say when somebody says, I give me 30 grand? Look, look, we, can, we, we can both agree it's a, it's a lot to do with context and, and to be honest with you I, I think that that's one thing this story wasn't full of um, f- from where I was standing in terms of how it was reported and how it came out that it lacked context um, and, and I think that's one of the reasons why unfortunately some people involved were, were painted in a, a tarnished as, as you said It looks worse when you watch it on the television yeah. and beating things yeah. out yeah. and then what, what do you get? Nothing yeah. Look, if any done anything wrong, we'd all be in jail. If any done anything wrong, Sam and Sam and, 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 and Jimmy wouldn't have been getting back in football. Sam's had two jobs <laughs> since England game. And by the way, I'm sure he could he should have got ten jobs. And if he was to lead Everton, I'm sure he got offered another job. You know, because he, 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 he's a good manager. So yeah. I, I, you know, at the end of the day, if something had been done and not right and they had something on anybody, then the FA would have took it on board. But, but the police get involved, and then there's nothing there. So, anyways, I said I probably spoke too much about it, but I've left loads out. And yeah. hopefully, when I get my day in court, then well, it will come out and how they, how they what they've done. Yeah, thanks for speaking to us. And look, before before we um we wrap up the podcast, we we we'll end it on a bit of a, a more positive light. And I suppose playing under under Ron Atkinson, there was uh, I'm guessing there was lots of um funny stories from from your days on, under under him and. 
and the team that was there. Can you tell us any any small anecdote um, from your time at Man United that might make listeners laugh? Scott, you're absolutely fantastic. Thanks for joining the Strati cast today. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.